What's going on, Longhorn Nation? Welcome to Texas Talk, your one-stop shop for everything Texas Longhorns football. I'm recording on Tuesday, August 2nd, and today I'll be going through the current um, 2023 defensive commits. Um, if you listened in last week, we went over the offensive side of the ball uh, for 2023 commits, um, so be sure to check that one out if, if you haven't. Um, and before we, we, before we jump into um, the defensive side of the ball, be sure to go check out uh, previous episodes of the podcast. Um, you know, just search Texas Talk on um, your preferred listening platform, whether that be Spotify, Apple, Google, um, whichever whichever you listen on. And um, also also go check out our website at texas-talk.com. Um, there you can find, you know, our articles, obviously. Um, we also have the depth chart up there. Uh, recruiting targets, uh, the schedule, you know, if, if you just need a quick link to the schedule, that's on our website, and it's uh, real easy to navigate through. Um, but be sure to get, check that out. You know, we try to put out good stuff and good content for you guys to read. Uh, so we really appreciate every time every time you click on our website and, and read one of our articles. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'm going to be flying solo again today. Uh, Ryan is still out on vacation, uh, so I hope he's hope he's enjoying himself uh, on on vacation, and and I'll be happy when he's back next week. Uh, so so having somebody. So I can have someone to uh, talk to. Uh, if you've never recorded a podcast or, or recorded stuff like this in your life, um, it's it's weird just talking to yourself. Uh, but you know, you, I, I I'm trying to understand that you know people are people are going to tune in and listen. So um, I'm trying to make it entertaining for you guys. Um, so this this one might be a little bit shorter than last week. I went back and listened to last week's and realized I rambled on quite a bit. Um, so I'll try to keep this one sw- uh, short and sweet. And, uh, you know, next week when Ryan gets back, we'll have a little bit more back and forth, and, and I think that's more enjoyable for you guys. Um, but, yeah, we're, I'm going to go ahead and jump in um, with the D-line and edge players, and then we'll go linebacker, and then we'll move back to the DBs. Um, of the 20 commits so far, 8 are on defense and 12 are on offense. So, um, you know, it's, I'm going to just kind of keep it a little bit shorter instead of going more in-depth um, and rambling on like I did last week, like I said earlier. But... We'll go ahead and jump in, and I'll kind of give a brief overview overview of the player, um, basically their height, weight, um, their rank, and you know, kind of say where I see them at um, when they join the team, uh, either in December or, or sorry, in January for the spring semester, or they come in the summer for um, the summer slash fall semester. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and jump into it. Um, and the the all these rankings are according to twenty four seven. Um, I could pull up on three, but, but, um, I, I, I use 24 seven quite a bit, so I'll just stick with them. Um, so first up is Sadir Mitchell. Uh, he committed on, uh, July 3rd. So, uh, a month ago, you know, tomorrow actually. Uh, so just about a month ago, uh, he's six five three thirty five. He is ranked at, uh, two Oh seven national and number 32 at the defensive line position. Um, defensive line is kind of an interesting one because uh, they put in D tackles. They also put in defensive ends. Um, you know, it's they do have a certain edge position. So I mean, if you are a defensive end but you're more of a run stuffer, I believe they stick you in that uh, defensive line position. Um, so being ranked 32nd in the country at that D line position is, is pretty good. Um, if it was D tackles only, he would probably be top 10. Um, and I don't think it'd be close. I think he would probably be somewhere around seven or eight if we're just sticking with defensive tackles. Um, and you know, it's it's a huge get for Sark. 
and PK on that side of the defense. Um, Sadir Mitchell is one that's, you know, we, we kind of got in the game late with him. Um, it was mainly Georgia and, let me see, I believe it's Alabama. Um, let me check real quick. It was not. Um, it was Georgia, Miami, and A&M, kind of the, the top four there. Um, and, we, and we snuck in late there and stole him away from Georgia. Um, he, he's one of those guys that, you know, Georgia likes to go after, you know, like the Jordan Davis kind of build, um, huge body, huge body, six, five, three thirty-five. Um, what an absolute monster. And, you know, I think he's going to do big things here at Texas. Um, I, I see him, you know, kind of filling Keandre Coburn's shoes after he leaves. Um, especially if he's an early enrollee and get in, get on campus, um, you know, in the fall or sorry, in the spring, um, slash winter, um, I think he can really put on the good type of weight and really learn the defense and, and excel at that defensive tackle, that, uh, that run stuffing defensive tackle. Um, I think he's going to be really good and, you know, I'm excited to get him on campus. Um, then after him, we have Dylan Spencer, who was kind of our, you know, he committed a while ago back in March, March 15th. Um, and I think he was the, I, I could be wrong here, so don't, actually I'm going to run through it so I know I'm not wrong. Uh, yeah, he was the second commit in the 2023 class. Um, he's 6'4", 240 out of the Houston area. Um, and he's 244 national and number 38 at the defensive line position. I see him more of a, as a DN though, uh, more of a pass rusher. Um, that could play on the interior defensive line, kind of like a Moro Ojimo, um, you know, who's not going to really plug up the holes in the run game. He's more going to be after the quarterback, but he does have that size to plug up holes if we need him to do that. Um, 6'4", 240, you know, he kind of fits that more defensive end um, style, whereas somebody who's listed as an edge may be more of an outside linebacker kind of style. Um, so, yeah, Dylan Spencer, a good player, and, and like we talked about with um, Ryan, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Texas is starting to, you know, put a foothold in uh, the Houston area. Houston area has been, you know, predominantly ran by A&M, and they get the commits there, they get the elite players, but Texas um, has already gone in there a couple times this class and taken away a really good player. Um, but yeah, Dylan Spencer, great player, and, you know, I, I think he's going to be one that may not see as much time early on just because he he is a little bit lighter at 240. Um, and if he's going to play uh, defensive line, even even defensive end, whether or where he, whether he plays inside or outside, um, you know he's going to have to put on a little bit of weight, um, the good type of weight, uh, and you know that's that's one thing that if he gets on campus early, like like we've said so many times before, um, enrolling early helps these players out so much for their freshman season. And if Dylan Spencer can get on campus and early enroll, um, I think he could make a difference. You know, going into his freshman season, he's obviously not going to start. Um, neither is Sadir Mitchell, um, uh, but you know these guys could come in and play really, really good backup minutes, and kind of give the starters a uh, a breather, and then the starters can come back there and you know pin their ears back on third down and get off get after the quarterback. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's really good to see Dylan Spencer here, one of the earlier commits, um, actually the second commit in the class. Um, but yeah, I expect him to be a really good player at, at Texas. Um, but he he may be one that takes a little bit longer just because of his he's a little bit lighter, um, especially if he doesn't enroll until the summer, um, which would be basically a year from now. Uh, 
But yeah, Dylan, Dylan Spencer, great player out of Houston. Um, going down to edge with Billy Walton. Billy Walton's one that's, um, I think he was an Oklahoma State commit, and we flipped him um, out of South, South Oak Cliff in Dallas. Um, but a really, really good player. He He's really scrawny, really long arms. Um, you know, it's it's kind of weird um, that he, he kind of dominates the outside linebacker slash defensive end position, but he is 6'2 215. Um, so he's really thin, really scrawny, and, and that's that's not a negative thing. You know, it's just he maybe he's not in the right conditioning program where he's putting on that good weight. Um, you know, he has the build of more like a uh, Demarvion Overshone, um, the six two, you know, two twenty ish build. Um, and you know, we we see Overshone play middle linebacker and kind of that hybrid safety. You know, he can get up on the line, he can go back in coverage. Um, so maybe that's what they envisioned for Billy Walton, but if he's going to play that edge position, he needs to put on a lot of weight and he needs to do it quickly, um, to, um, contribute right away. But he is ranked, uh, 605 national and he's the number 51 edge player in the country. Um, you know, he, he's a good player, but like I said, he's just going to have to put on weight and that's going to take some time. You know, you can't put on weight overnight. Um, it may be a year for him to put on 20 pounds. Uh, you know, some people's metabolisms are a lot higher than others, and uh, that may be the case with Billy Walton, where they just keep loading him up with food um, when he goes around for lunch and dinner and even breakfast, um, and, and he just can't put on weight. Um, and that's not a bad thing, and maybe they envision him, you know, playing more of the, like I said, DeMarvian Overshone role, where he'll step back to that Mike linebacker and kind of control the field. And I, I think he does have the speed, you know, to get sideline to sideline at the linebacker position. Um, but I, I don't know about his coverage skills. I didn't, I didn't watch too much of him in coverage. I mostly saw him, you know, on the line, uh, blitzing off the edge, stuff like that. Uh, so now we'll back up to linebacker and go with Samaje Burrell. Um, you know, this was another early one. Uh, he committed on April 2nd, so day after April Fool's Day. And, you know, on three has him high, has him rated in the top 100. Um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of differentiating with sights. Uh, but 24-7 has him at 235 national and number 17 at the linebacker position. Um, getting a top 20 player at linebacker is never a bad thing. I'll say, I'll put it that way. Um, you know, linebackers are, or the linebacking position is something we are very thin at right now. So being able to get a top 20 linebacker in the country in Samaj Burrell um, is kind of, kind of massive for us. Um, you know, we thought we had a chance with Anthony Hill. He unfortunately committed to Texas A&M. Um, you know, it's never over till it's over, obviously. It's not over till they sign the, their letter of intent. But um, flipping a five-star player from A&M's can be very, very tough to do, especially if they have a good year. Um, so that, that just means we have to show out on the field. And maybe if we do, um, Anthony Hill will, you know, have sec- second thoughts and maybe decommit and, and look at Texas again. But for right now, he, he's in A&M's class. And that's a very good get for them. Anthony Hill's a very good player. Um, but having Samaje Burrell here, I, I think he could be a stud at the linebacker position. Linebacker position. Uh, he's six foot two fifteen. Kind of that shorter, stockier linebacker uh, who's going to plug the lanes uh, in the in the line and, and kind of stop the run there. Um, so I'm excited to have him in the class. Uh, I'm going to say this name wrong, um, so so don't 
don't make fun of me too much, but Liano Lafoe, um, the 6'1", 210 linebacker out of Hawaii. Um, he's ranked 360 national and 29 at the position. Um, was was another kind of surprise, kind of out of nowhere. You know, we, we know we were in good standing with him, but, you know, he just committed uh, around the same time the Arch committed, or I think it was the day before. Let me Let me see real quick. No, it was two days after Arch committed. Uh, that was a really, really busy time period. Uh, but he jumped on the train right away. You know, he, he wanted to play with Arch, and I, I think um, he thought, he, I think that he thinks that Arch can take us to uh, really good places, whether that be, you know, Big 12 championships or college football playoffs or even national championships. Um, but getting Leonardo Lafoe into the class at a position of need, which is linebacker, is very, very, uh, it's a very big deal. Um, I, I, I'm going to talk about a linebacker coach here in a bit. Um, and I may save some of that for when Ryan gets back next week, but, um, I, I have some very strong opinions about, uh, Jeff Choate. And, uh, if you've listened for any amount of time, you, you know, my opinion on Jeff Choate. Uh, but you know, I'm, I may wait to, to rant on him till Ryan gets back so we can have a little bit of back and forth because, um, you know, I, I, I think Ryan has a little differing opinion there, but th- that's all right. Um, so I, I may hold on to that for a little bit, but. Um, getting two linebackers this class is very big, and I hope we can add maybe one or two more, honestly. Um, DeMarvion Overshone is going to be gone after this year. Um, that's that's just going to happen. Um, unless he gets injured and he takes a medical redshirt, I, I highly doubt he comes back. Um, so, you know, we need a restock of this position, which is already very thin. Um, and if we're going to lose another guy after this year, we need a restock plus some. Um, so having two right now is good for us. We need to add probably another one um, so we can finish the class at three or even four linebackers. Um, but we'll, we'll see how this class kind of fills out. Um, but right now I'm happy with two linebackers in the class. Uh, so now we'll jump back to the defensive backfield. And, you know, we only have three right now, uh, which is kind of concerning for me. Uh, I, I think we need to load up on the defensive backfield side. Um, and, and there, there are still plenty of players on the board. Um, you know, we have Tobiano, um, we have Jordan Matthews from Louisiana as well. Um, so, you know, I'm not too worried about it, but I, I think we do need to hit on a couple of these big time players, um, to add to our already really good defensive backfield, uh, class so far. Um, we'll start with Malik Muhammad at cornerback, you know, a really, really good get for Sark. Um, he committed about two weeks ago or so. Um, but yeah, that, that was a really, really big get for us. Um, Malik Muhammad out of South Oak Cliff, Dallas, Texas. Uh, he's 5'11 and a half, 175. He's number 44 national and number six, uh, quarterback in the country. Uh, so getting a top 10 corner, um, when we're going to lose Jamison and, you know, we have a younger player in Ryan Watts there. Uh, Jade Barron, we could lose him as well, uh, depending on how his season goes. Um, so yeah, this is a position we need to stock up on right now, um, which which is why I think we're hitting cornerbacks so hard. Um, you know, Malik Muhammad already in the class, Tobiano potentially in the class, um, Jordan Matthews out of Louisiana potentially coming to the class. Um, if we can get those two guys to join, um, that wow, I mean, what a cornerback class that would be. Um, you know, we saw uh, during the Tom Herman era that we got three five-star safeties. 
but being able to get three uh, five-star or borderline five-star cornerbacks um, would be absolutely massive for this defense. Um, as we saw last year, you know, the defensive backfield was rough. Um, we couldn't, you know, it, it looked like anybody could score against us because we just looked terrible. Um, not locating the ball in the air, losing our man in coverage. Um, it, it was just bad, and we saw that against Oklahoma as well. Um, giving up contested catches, it, it, it just looked really, really bad. So I think it's time to kind of reload and restock that defensive backfield, especially at the quarter position. And um, I think we're going to hit that a little bit harder um, during the season. And if we have a really good season, man, look out. Uh, Toviano and Jordan Matthews would be huge. And, you know, like I said, if we have a good season, I think they're going to they're gonna look our way. Um, same thing with Anthony Hill. You know, he, he's with A&M right now. Uh, I, I'm not saying he's going to flip. Um, if he did decommit, I would feel very strongly that he would choose Texas. Um, but, you know, I think it's all riding on the season. I think he's locked into A&M right now. Um, if Texas comes in and wins 10 games, who knows? Who knows what that looks like going to uh, National Signing Day. Um, maybe we could add a five-star linebacker and the number one linebacker in the country. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's going to be interesting to see how the season goes. You know, I have high expectations like always. Um, Texas needs to be held to high expectations because it is the University of Texas. Um, so, so I'm not going to give Sark or, um, any of the football coaches any slack when it comes to that. Uh, we have all the resources. We have the players, I believe now to compete right now. Uh, it, it's just the coaches need to put their game plan in place and they need to be developing players. And, um, you know, I think that's something we're going to have a talk with Ryan about, uh, next week on the pod, just to see what he thinks about, you know, the, you know what I'm saying now. Um, I, I think this team is ready to compete now, uh, and, you know, I, I think we should blow some teams out. You know, Steve Sarkeesian's uh, motto is all gas, no breaks, and last year we, we saw a lot of gas in the first half, um, and then it looked like a little bit of breaks coming out of halftime. Um, so I, I hope he absolutely lives up to that motto and believes it and, you know, calls plays by it. Um, I'm not saying, you know, it's we're up by three touchdowns and there's five minutes left in the fourth quarter and we're still throwing bombs. But, I, I mean, coming out of halftime with a touchdown, ten-point, even two-touchdown lead, um, you know, we, we still need to be slinging the ball. We need to be aggressive. We need to be attacking uh, because it is the Big 12. You know, we have high-powered offenses that can score on the heart in a, in a heartbeat. And, you know, it, it could be... We had a lead going into halftime like we saw many times last year, and we come out of that game losing because we kind of slowed up. We kind of took it for granted. Um, you know, we let our foot off the gas pedal. Um, you know, one one scenario is obviously Oklahoma, um, where we were absolutely dominating them in the first half. And, you know, we came out of halftime, and it was bad. <laughs> it was really bad. Um, you know, that that's a game that I hope we come out – um, extra hype for this year. The team comes out hype for it, and um, I, I, I absolutely hope we absolutely throttle Oklahoma. That would be a good start to Britt Venable's career, um, getting throttled by Texas, and, you know, I hope we continue that success all the way through, you know, hopefully Steve Sarkeesian's long career at Texas. Um, I don't want to continue the trend of, you know, hiring coaches and then firing after three or four years. Um, I, I think Sark's the guy to do it. 
I think his plan is going to take a little bit longer than people expect. Um, we're not going to be in the college football playoff in the next two years, I don't believe. Um, but, you know, I could be surprised. I think he's building the fine foundation now, as we saw last week with, or sorry, last year with the really good offensive line class. And now we're kind of seeing the playmakers start to slide in a little bit. Um, but we still need that O-line to keep coming in. We need D-line to keep coming in. We need defense to keep coming in. We have the playmakers right now. Um, if if we had a average defense, I I would be saying we're winning the Big 12. And we could potentially go 11-1 with our only loss coming to Alabama. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're going to beat Alabama. I don't think there's no way ever we're going to beat Alabama. Or, sorry, not ever, but there's no way we're going to beat Alabama, especially this year. Um, probably not next year either, um, if we're not in the SEC by then. Uh, but, you know, if if we have an average defense, I could see us going 11-1 and one very easily. Um, even with the way our defense is now, we have the firepower on offense where I could see us going, uh, you know, uh, 10 wins, 9 wins. That, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but, you know, our, our defense is going to win us games and lose us games, you know. Uh, they're either going to show up and we're going to, you know, throttle a team and they're not they're We're going to hold the other team to under two touchdowns or, you know, they're going to come out lax and it's going to be a, another Kansas game where it's 50 something to 50 something going into overtime. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the uh, season plays out. But I, I'm excited to talk to talk to Ryan about that uh, next next week on the pod and kind of. I think we're just going to do like a brief overview of the season and then we'll do a more detailed one um, a little bit closer to the season, uh, but that should be fun. Um, we're not done though. We have two more players left on the defensive side of the ball that have committed so far this year. Um, so I'll stop getting off track and take a drink real quick. Each time there's like a three to five second pause, um, that's, that's just me taking a drink so I don't don't think I stopped talking or the mic went out or whatever. Um, but yeah, let's hit these last two players real quick and then I'll I'll uh, I'll hop off and start preparing for next week, which is going to be a really good one, especially Ryan's uh, first episode back from vacation. Uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about, so um, be sure to keep up with the pod. You know, be sure to uh, give us five stars. You know, subscribe and uh, be sure to check out next week's episode because it's going to be a lot of fun. And especially going into the season, you know, we're going to have a lot of fun episodes, um, a lot of information-filled episodes, you know, after games especially. So if you missed the game or even if you were at the game, um, maybe we'll have a different perspective that you didn't think of. Um, and maybe we'll see something that you didn't while you were sitting in DKR and we're sitting at home watching on TV. Um, but, yeah, be sure to check us out. Um, but, yeah, let's get to these last two players real quick, and then, and then I'm going to hop off here. So... Um, at safety, the first commit in the 2023 class was Jamel Johnson. Um, he's a 6'1", 185-pound safety out of Arlington. Uh, he's 204 national and number 14 uh, safety in the country. So again, we are loading up on uh, the defensive backfield, and that's something that we should be doing. Um, you know, the way it struggled last year, we need to load up and get as much talent in as possible because you're obviously going to have uh, a bust rate. You know, you recruit players, you watch them in high school, maybe they don't pan out in college football. So you got to factor in that bust rate there and probably factor factor in that 
probably one out of every three or one out of every four recruits you recruit um, or recruits that you have come into the to the program are going to be busts. Um, so, you know, us bringing in Jamel Johnson um, is huge, top 15 player. Um, and then also Derek Williams, uh, 6'2", 185-pound safety out of Louisiana. He's number 32 national and number three safety in the country. So having two really, really good players, two uh, top 15 safeties, um, is absolutely huge. You know, um, the, the higher rated they are, I think the lower their bust rate is. Um, that's, you know, my statistics. That's not actually statistics. That's just something I, I have in my head. Um, so, yeah, if, if you, in my mind, I'm going to try to break down my mind real quick. This may get a little bit weird. Uh, but in my mind, if you if you land every five-star in this class, um, you're going to get more, more production out of them because chances are there's probably going to be three or four that are busts, but then you still have, you know, 20, 25 players that are really good players. Um, so trying to calculate that one out of every three, one out of every four bust, you really need to recruit at a high level um, so that if you get four safeties, uh, you can kind of figure one of them's not going to be very good or they're not going to pan out, whatever the reason may be. Um, maybe they have an injury-prone career. Um, maybe, you know, they transfer out. That that could be one, too. Um, so you can kind of figure in that one of those players isn't going to pan out at your school. They may pan out at another school, uh, but they're not going to pan out at your particular program. Um, so I kind of factor that in when I see numbers. So I don't really worry about numbers too much. Last year when we saw seven offensive linemen and seven defensive linemen, I didn't really worry about numbers because I know some of those players are going to pan out, some of them aren't. Some are going to transfer, some of them are going to stay, some of them are just going to finish out their education and not pursue football after college, um, and, and good for them. You know, um, it, These kids have an opportunity to get a very good education from the University of Texas, um, and if they don't want to pursue football after college, so be it. You know, I, I think it's every one of their dreams to play in the NFL, but um, I, I also believe that they're that they are realists. You know, not everybody's going to get drafted. Not everybody's going to be drafted in the first round and get paid millions of dollars. Um, some people might be undrafted free agents and really struggle. Um, you know, to get through their <laughs> contract. You know, or even make the team. Uh, so you know, these kids are taking a chance. They're betting on themselves, which is a good bet. Um, and you know, some, some, some of them pan out, some of them don't. Um, that's, that's just kind of the way that college football goes. And, you know, there, there are, there are factors there that we don't think about or that we can't see. Um, but you know, as as long as these kids are getting a good education and they enjoy what they're doing and they're happy with what they're doing, um, I don't, I don't care if they pan out or not. Um, if Derek Williams comes in as a five-star safety, and he's absolutely terrible, but he's enjoying his time at school, and he's you know getting a higher education, and he's gonna make be a successful person after he gets out of school. Then, then I'm I'm super happy for him. You know, I, I may be upset at him on Saturdays when he uh, misses a tackle or gets beat over the top. Um, but overall, you know, football is just a game. These kids are going here to to get a higher education and and learn a bit a little a little bit of football. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I try to calculate that bust rate a little bit 
And I, I don't think that bust is necessarily a bad word, um, but, you know, some of these kids obviously don't turn out. We, we've seen that at Texas a lot. Um, we brought in high-profile players, and they just don't pan out. Um, but I, I hope that, you know, Steve Sarkeesian and his staff can, can kind of, um, you know, watch tape and evaluate better than the previous staffs we had, especially Charlie Strong and Tom Herman. Um but yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting, and you know, like I said earlier, if uh, if Texas can go out there and win nine to ten games, uh, this recruiting class, which is at number five right now according to two four seven, um, is going to be top three, top two possibly. So just because you know A and M starting to get commits, and Oklahoma starting to get commits, and Alabama. You know, came out of nowhere and took over the number one spot. And don't don't panic yet. Um, you know, the season have, hasn't even started. Uh, we are in August. <laughs> We're two days into August. You know, football starts in what thirty one days. Uh, a month from now, basically, um, it, it's going to be a wild ride. It's going to be a fun ride. Uh, but we got to wait for the season to get here to see how, you know, um, the players we have actually perform. You know, we know Bijan Robinson is a stud. We know Xavier Worthy is a stud. We think Quinn Ewers is going to be a stud. But will he actually pan out? Um, you know, if he goes out there and tears it up, and, you know, he's in Heisman contention along with Bijan for most of the season, um, I, you know, it could be a really, really good recruiting season. We could be flirting with the number one class. But it's going to take us showing it on the field before we can get to there. Um you know, we're we have the number five class in the country after going five and seven. That's not gonna happen year after year after year. Um Sark is selling these players on a vision that he has and you know if if they don't see that vision start to take place, he can't do that year after year after year. You know, three years from now if we're still going five and seven and he tries to sell the player uh the 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 recruits on this vision of, hey, I need you to build this. The first one's going to be really hard. You know, we saw the video um, that Derek Brown took at uh, what he visited of Sarkeesian saying, this first Big 12 championship is going to be really hard, but I need you to get there. And once we get there, it's just going to be a snowball effect. We're going to keep stacking them and stacking them and stacking them. You know, it, it's three years from now, going five and seven over and over and over again. Um, he's not going to be able to sell that vision anymore, obviously. Um, it, it, we're going to need to see success on the field. And I, I think we have the players to do it now. Again, please, please hear me when I say this. I am not saying we're going to make the college football playoff this year. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. I am saying, though, that making the Big 12 championship game is a possibility. I'm not saying we're going to win it, but uh, making it to the Big 12 championship game, I could very well see that happening. Um, you know, it, it really depends on what Quinn Ewers does and how this defense looks. If this defense can be average, like I said, if this defense can be average, that's all they have to do is be average. We could see an 11-1 season. 11-1 season playing probably Oklahoma or Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. We win that game, and we're probably guaranteed a lock in the college football playoff. Again, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm saying this is, you know, kind of the turning point we're at. You know, it's kind of like a... A seesaw, you know, we're kind of in the middle, we're throwing all our chips on one end, and, 
you know, is it going to go up or is there going to be something on the other side bigger than what we think it is? Is there going to be injuries on the other side that weighs down our season? Uh, is there going to be Quinn Ewers, you know, not as good as we think he is, weighing down our season? Uh, is there going to be Hudson Card transferring out that kind of tanks our season because Quinn Ewers didn't pan out, Hudson Card transferred out? We're screwed at quarterback. We're, we're trying to balance that seesaw and, you know, maybe we throw all our chips on one side and we have a perfect season. We go 11-1. and one. Well, That wouldn't be a perfect season, but, uh, you know, you're not going to be Alabama year two, especially second game year two with an inexperienced quarterback, inexperienced offensive line, um, a rough defense. A perfect season for Texas would be 11-1. and one. Um, You know, that would be the perfect turnout for Sark season two. Um, you know, some people would say that's 12-0, and 0, but I, I'm trying to be realistic here. Um, we're not going to beat Alabama. We're probably going to have a Big 12 loss, maybe two. Um, so I think nine wins is, is very doable. But, you know, if, if we hit on all cylinders, if our defense is average, average at least, like I've said, just be average. Uh, you know, we play Oklahoma really well. We beat Oklahoma State in Stillwater. You know, we, we could be looking at an 11-1 and season. But everything has to work out. You know, we have to be may, mostly, mostly injury-free. You know, as long as Bijan, Xavier, um, Roshan, as long as all those three don't get hurt first game, you know, that that's what I'm talking about. They're, they're obviously going to be banged up throughout the season. Um, they're obviously going to have bumps, bruises, scratches, whatever. Um, but I'm talking about major injuries, you know, season-ending injuries, or they're out three to four or five games. Um, as, as, as long as everything lines up, you know, I think we could have a really, really good season. But it's all going to hinge on Quinn Ewers performing like a five-star, 1.0 rated quarterback in our defense. If those two things turn out really good, if Quinn Ewers plays really good, which I think he can, I think he can. He's experienced it. There's going to be mistakes early on. The Alabama game may get really rough um, just because of his inexperience. But if, if he can turn it around in the second half of the season or after the Alabama game, I think he could have a really good season and compete for the Heisman. If our defense can be average, I think we can go 11-1. If we see the same defense that we saw last year, you know, it's going to be closer to 7 or 8 wins just because you can't ask your offense to score every time they touch the football. I believe our offense can because, uh, I mean, we have so much firepower on offense. But you can't ask them to score every time they touch the football. Same, same thing, the opposite could happen. Worst case scenario. Quinn Ewers is terrible. Our defense is worse than last year. Uh, Hudson Card transfers out, so we're stuck with uh, Malik or, um, oh, what's his name, um, Charles Wright at quarterback. You know, worst case scenario, um, you know, we could be looking at 5-7 and seven again. We, get, we catch the injury bug, you know, we'll throw that on there as well. We have multiple guys miss the season, Most, multiple starters miss the season. You know, things could get really, really rough. Um, you know, I, I don't want to think about it that way. I, I try to be a positive person and think about, you know, what could be the good things. 
Um, but if worst case scenario happens, you know, things could get really, really rough for Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas football program. If we go five and seven again, um, Sark might have a ride on his hands. <laughs> and I'm not even playing because, you know, that's not expected at Texas, especially not back-to-back years. So we obviously have worst case and best case. Um, if we split the middle, I, you know, I think we're looking at eight to nine wins. I, I think that's very doable. Uh, if our defense is just barely below average, a little bit better than last year, eight to nine wins, very doable. Um, you know, I, I'm trying not to drink the Kool-Aid too much because if I was, I would say we're going to 11-1. I would shout that from the rooftops. Um, you know, <laughs> I'd have people on Twitter telling me I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but I try not to. I try not to drink too much of it. Um, but if everything lines up, like I said, 11-1 and is possible. Worst case scenario, we're looking at Five and seven season again, if not worse. Um, if we can split the middle, eight to nine wins. That that's kind of my season prediction right now. Obviously, uh, we'll go into that more in depth uh, with Ryan later on, closer to the season, um, after we hear things at a summer camp. But you know that that's that's my thought process right now. Um, so yeah, if if you enjoyed, you know, give us five stars. Be sure to share to all your friends. Um, you know, let let them listen to us idiots talk about Texas football. If you enjoy it, I'm sure your friends will enjoy it. Um, you know, be sure to share us, uh, share us on Facebook. You know, let your grandma watch. <laughs> you know, if she likes Texas football, let her watch, let her listen. She'll really enjoy this show as well. Um, you know, Ryan and I try to keep it clean for, you know, the younger audience as well. So if you have, you know, teenagers starting to get into football. Um, you know, get them into Texas football. The more Texas fans there are, the better the world is. You know, that, that's just a fact. Um, but yeah, be sure to give us five stars and, and uh, share amongst your friends. And, and uh, Ryan and I will definitely be back next week. I'm really looking forward to that. And um, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about yet. Um, we may do kind of like a short season preview, but I, I'm not completely sure. But we'll, we'll have something planned for you uh, because, you know, we, we like to keep you guys entertained. But uh, yeah. Until next time, you know, we'll we'll talk to you guys later. Hook them.